I'd like to start with uh, something very simple here. The modern salt industry. Oh, by the way, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts out with, you are the salt of the earth. And so I thought I'd go back and i take a look at salt. Right? I mean, why not? Okay? The modern salt industry claims that there are 14,000 different uses of salt. These include the manufacture of pharmaceuticals, the melting of ice, and somebody from New York would know that that's what they use the salt for, salt roads, <clears throat> fertilizing agricultural fields, making soap, softening water, and dyeing textiles. So salt is used in all of those areas. One of the uses of salt that I personally like the best is sprinkling a little bit of salt on my food to make it a little bit more tasty. Not that I have to do that for my wife, but I have to do that for me. Her food is always very good. Another use of salt is the salt lick. Uh, a guy from New York, Manhattan, uh, doesn't know what they are until he gets out of Manhattan, okay? But a salt lick is something they put in the field for the, the cows, the cattle, to take a lick of so that they go to the water to make them fatter so they weigh more so they get more money for the cattle. That's what they use it for. Uh, I have a question for you. Did you know that salt or sodium chloride is essential for your digestion or your respiration? I didn't know that. I learned that. Without sodium, the body uh, would be unable to transport nutrients or oxygen, transmit nerve impulses, or move muscles, including your heart. Most adults contain between three and four salt shakers of salt in their body. I don't think they know my salt shaker. Um, <laughs> today, salt is so common, so easy to obtain, and so inexpensive that we have forgotten. We've forgotten the beginning when salt was there. About 120 years ago is when this fact changed. Up to 120 years ago, it was something that was sought after by many, many people. As a matter of fact, Soldiers would wage war, okay, for those who were over them for the weight, their weight in salt. Okay, so that's how it uh, was even used as a commodity of, of uh, economics. Very important. Salt acts as a preservative as well. The Egyptians used salt to on their mummies, to keep their mummies mummified. And some of those mummies are still being found and they're still preserved. Salt helps to protect against decay as well as to sustain life. The story of salt, and, and obviously where I got this, is, is something that interested me when our pastor even mentioned this book in a staff meeting, and it's called Salt, A World History. So if you want to look at it and you can read about it, it's about three, 400 pages, but it's about salt, the whole thing. Salt, a world history, and it was written by Mark Kurlansky. So let's look at our passage today. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but it has become tasteless. How can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Let your light shine before men in such a way that you may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's a pretty long passage for me to get through the whole thing, but we'll see what can happen here. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, what can he mean by that? What does he mean by that? Well, what are some of the characteristics of salt? Pungency, flavor, sometimes salt can be used as an antiseptic. Do you know an ancient uh, when a baby was born, they used to rub the newborn in salt, and they were thinking that this would make them healthy, healthy and live long. That's what they used to do with babies when they were born. Another characteristic of salt is that it was used as a preservative, and that's where I think we're going to land here. It's used as a preservative. Before there was refrigeration, they would put their food products packed in salt because it inhibited the decay of those food products. Remember, it was used for mummies. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, maybe he's referring to Christian moral character. Maybe he's referring to Christian moral character. That is keeping the society, this society that is around us, from utter moral decay. That, that could be what he's meaning here, and I believe that's what he means here. Can the Christian you be slowing down the moral decadence of our society? Can you be slowing down the decay that is happening around us? I mean, just if you watch television, there's things that are starting to happen on television that just you cannot believe. But it's not just television. How about acts of Congress and all of these other things that are coming down that you have to follow, that that men of stature and men and women that are voting for these things. Can you believe it? I can't. But Jesus did not stop there when he says that you are the salt of the earth. He says, but, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Is that a warning to the church? That if you aren't a preservative of this society, uh, of giving an example to people how to live, that maybe you should be thrown out? on the road to be trampled on? Jesus, within this first statement here, encourages the Christian. He's encouraging them to moral character. And that's not just moral character, folks. He's also encouraging them to love God with their whole heart, mind, and soul. He's calling them to live righteous lives. That's what he's calling them to. That's what it stands for here, is that there is a call by Jesus Christ as he's speaking to his disciples there, that you are the salt of the earth, you better act like it. You better act like it. Goodness and righteousness are preserving mankind. Whether you want to believe it or not, we are better than we could be. A lot worse. (laughs) It will be one day. Goodness and righteousness are preserving mankind. The righteousness of the Christian slows the decay of society to a degree. To a degree. However, if you, the individual, lose your taste for walking with God and keeping his commandments, then you become tasteless as well. 
Therefore, what it says here, you're useless to be tossed into the street because you have lost your saltiness. You've lost that which is going to turn others around to know Jesus Christ. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled under the foot by men. Folks, I do not have to go on too long into the the world's current history. What's going on in our world today? And I thought about pulling up some news headlines. I go, no, 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 we, we don't need to do that. We hear that enough if you watch any kind of news. The decadence that's out there, the wholesale indulgence into filth that's out there. You know, I I sit in my office as a counselor, and I even hear that among Christians or people that call themselves Christians. And I I go, wait a minute, you cannot be participating in those things. You cannot be doing those kinds of things. Who do you think you are? If you're the blood-bought child of God, you shouldn't be doing those things. It's scary to my heart to consider that maybe they aren't believers, And I'll say that to them once in a while. You who practice these things, Galatians chapter 5, says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And they look at me, how dare you say that? Yes, do I understand people can fall into sin? Galatians 6, 1, they can get caught. Practice it over and over and over and over again. It, it, It troubles me to see people who practice it over and over again. You've lost your taste. If you truly are a a Christian, you've become tasteless and useless and you need to be thrown into the street. Our pastor has also been very clear as what happens with children in the past and, and frankly is still going on today in, in this world. On my, one of my trips to India, I, I was with Chris and he was t- telling me about the Mukta Yokta um, ministry that they have going on there. It's um, taking in orphans. Now, you've got plenty of orphans in India, i got to tell you. They're, they're wandering the streets, and so they take these kids in, and they try to educate them, they try to dress them properly, all of those kinds of things. One of the children they got from a brothel. The mother gave her child up and said, could you please raise her and take care of her? That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I actually got to meet that mother, Chris, and I went and witnessed to her, and she wanted them to keep the child. And I asked her, how did you get here? (laughs) Her father sold her there when she was a child. That happens in the world, folks. That happens in the world. And so he sold her into that industry. And now her child, who's hers and, and pretty young little girl, and he said, take, take care of him. And I said, so how are you going to do this, Chris? How are you going to raise him up? He says, actually, we do this for a little while, and then we hide them. You know why they hide them? Because the guys that are the brothel owners come and look for them to put them into business. And it goes on and on and on. I don't know about you, but that, that absolutely breaks my heart that people would do that. But that's this world, folks. That's this world. Believers are to be the salt in the midst of the corruption that's around them, the vileness that's around them. They they need to stop these kinds of things. And you can never let your guard down, folks. You can never say and, and take the luxury of saying it's not a big deal because it is a big deal when those things happen. It's truly offensive to a holy God. 
And if we allow ourselves to hide our eyes and not do anything about it, then what about our testimony? What about our testimony? Matthew 5.13. Jesus is speaking to what appeared to be a very quiet, pastoral kind of group of people on the folks of the hill, listening to him speak first about the character of the believer. That's what he speaks to, the character of the believer, and now in the Beatitudes. And now he's going to speak to the actions of the believer. The rest of the the, the, uh, Sermon on the Mount is going to be about your actions, about how you are to behave, the purpose, why God saved us. That's what he's going to be speaking to, the purpose of why he saved us. And then he left us on this planet. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. Well, why didn't he save me and just take me home? (laughs) No, he wanted you to stay here for a reason. And if I can put it this way, and I I used to say this all the time, and Armin isn't here, a billboard advertisement, that's what you're supposed to be. That when they look at you, you're advertising Jesus Christ. And I don't mean wearing a shirt that says Jesus Christ on it, but I mean your life, your speech, your... My daughter and I went to the get some fishing poles. You know, we're picking up all different ones and we're looking at them and, and somehow we walked out with two extra fishing poles. I don't know how it happened. I got home, said, we didn't pay for those. I went back to the receipt. We didn't pay for these. We took the fishing poles back to the place and gave them to us. Sorry, but we, we mistakenly went out of the store with these extra fishing poles. The person behind the counter said, why didn't you just keep them? I said, they're not yours and they're not mine. Okay, they belong to somebody else. And, and then we gave her the gospel and told her, this is why we do that. I don't need your two extra poles. That's not going to make, make anything for me. Folks, that's the way we need to be as Christians, is honest before these people. So he left us here as a billboard advertisement. Do you know of all of the 14 is that the believer is to be a preservative He knew what would happen with this world. It would keep getting worse and worse and worse. And a preservative of what? Preservative of what? Not of a political party. A preservative of Christ's message. The message of hope to sinners. Because those sinners are going to hell. And we have that message. And we need to be bringing it to them. The believer is to, as best as possible, live a life of action and words that sets him apart from the decadence of this world and to give hope to this world. It needs hope. I mean, it's sad out there, folks. The Christian in this world is to function like a healthy immune system. I've gotten to know a little bit more about an immune system. But it's supposed to function like a a healthy immune system. That immune system is to ward off disease and decay. When When the immune system is doing its job, the individual is healthy. However, when the immune system is not doing the job, the individual gets sick. In this case, our society today is truly getting sick and sicker and dying, and dying. That's what's happening. This world that we live in needs salt. 
It is dying with the number of homeless people that are out there growing in the drug use and and the abuse of children and people and all of those kinds of things. Decent people. Now, notice I didn't say Christian people. People have begun to give up. They're thinking, it's over. I'm done. I'm out of here. I see them not just running to South Dakota, but they run to the North Pole, okay? Uh, But they will be coming there, and you need to have a church there. The spiral into the pit is going faster and faster. It's almost like someone has flushed the toilet, and you cannot stop the flushed toilet. That's what it's almost like. Science supposedly says we are evolving, getting better. The reality is we're devolving into wickedness and wretchedness, and and we're beginning to feed on ourselves and feed on others. Uh, The word selfishness is becoming more important to us because it's all about self, and i got to take care of self, and I don't care about anybody else. The world left to itself would devolve into a heap of garbage. And you say, well, Bill, you're exaggerating. Well, let's go back to the Jews coming out of Egypt. Moses goes up to the mountain to get the, to get the message from God of the Ten Commandments. And he's up there maybe a little bit long. And what are they doing down below? We need to have a God to worship. And Aaron, you would think Aaron wouldn't do this, but Aaron said, oh, give me all your jewelry here, take this, and he makes a golden calf. So from the beginning, well, we can even go back before that. We can go all the way back to Adam and Eve as these innocent people get kicked out of the garden because of their selfishness. That's what they were originally innocent. They weren't so innocent after that. And then to have two sons and one kill the other. Folks, it keeps getting worse today. We need to be the salt in this world. We need to stop this this harshness that's happening in our society. However... I have been around long enough to hear things said that this is what happens in every generation. From way back in my kid days, it's, it's always been like this. You know, my, my dad used to complain about what was going on. My, my brothers used to complain what's going on. No, it is getting worse, folks. It really is. But, but, I believe the Lord has left us here for a reason. We are his agents, so to speak. We are his agents of righteousness. We are to, not through politics, please leave that out of it. It happens through the reformation of the church, and the church has been shook up. That's what I said before. The church has truly been shook. Not just Grace Church, but I mean the church has been shook up. That you need to be doing something about what's going on around you that you cannot remain where you are. It happens through the reformation of the church, but it also happens through the reformation of the people. I'm reading the history of uh, England, Um, the reformation of England, and seeing place after place after place where men of God would stand up to the government, to to the king, to whoever it was, and live for Christ. Some of them being burned, some of them being thrown in jail for for ages. It doesn't matter. They would stand up for the word of God. You know, the other night, I was so encouraged. 
I'm at the uh, graduation for the master's seminary, and I've been, not to all 35, I was out of the country a couple of times when graduations, but I, I was so encouraged to see how many men came down to receive diplomas, and they're going to be sent here, and they're going to go in various directions. I hope they populate churches out there, because the church out there needs good men. Pray for those men. Friends, it is not just the seminary graduate, though, but you, too, have been called to be salt. You, too. How do I know that? Well, you know, when Jesus was saying this, the Master's Seminary wasn't even in existence. Yeah, we only have 35 years. This is 2,000 years ago. You are the salt of the earth. He's speaking to common people. He's speaking to fishermen. He's speaking to farmers. He's speaking to whoever's out there. That's who needs to go out there. When Jesus gave this message, he was speaking not to the graduating class of TMS. He was speaking to you. Because this message would come to you. You are the salt of the earth. Isn't that great to hear? What am I going to do about it? You see, the the darkness and the decadence that is now prevailing over our country does not have to remain so strong. We can't eliminate it, folks. We can't believe that we'll ever get rid of it. The gospel of Jesus Christ, though, gives hope. It gives grace. It, It makes a person alive. And the gospel of grace is there for sinners. And we need to let folks know that they are sinners and be able to tell them that they're sinners. Jesus came to save sinners, not nice people. The world is corrupted and the world is decaying. But salt is a preservative. Salt in the right place can keep it from rotting. That is the use of salt that Jesus is speaking of here. Years ago, I met an actor from the film industry here in Hollywood and all of that kind of thing. And I asked him, how as a Christian can you be an actor? Just ask him a question. And he says, yes, it's very difficult. I said, well, what about the roles that... He says, you know, I, I have never had to take one of those roles. I've never had to do anything like that. He said, but one time, the director or producer, whoever it is, wanted him to say some swear words kind of thing. And he said to him, you know, it would be more impactful if I said these words. And you know what? the producer went with those words rather than the swear words. I said, you know what? Even in that situation, I, I have friends that are in this room and, and they're pharmacists and sometimes they're acted, told to do certain things as a pharmacist and they go, wait a minute, no, I don't do that. I am a believer. That's how we do it, folks. When, when my boss wanted me to give a kickback to one of my clients... I said, no, I don't do that. Not because it's going to be any money out of my pocket, but that's corruption. That's corruption. The ancients used salt to prevent spoilage. Salt prevented the rotting of meat. The salt killed the bacteria responsible for the decaying, and that's what we are to be doing, is killing that rotting, dying culture. May I encourage you that the condition of this world is still not what it's going to be like in the end. After the rapture, 
after we're gone and the Holy Spirit is gone, the very devil unleashed on this world. And you know, it's going to take him seven years to bring it down. Could you imagine? Whatever bad we have now is not even close to what it's going to be then. But we still have time. We still have time. Men and women are so afraid of the COVID virus, the coronavirus, and they lock themselves in their homes. But you know what the most feral virus is? Sin. Sin. That one's going to kill you and send you to hell for eternity. The other one may make you sick and the doctors may be able to make you well and and those kinds of things. Sin is an incurable disease without Jesus Christ. And those around us need Jesus Christ. I'm having some work done on my garage to have a shirt on that had truth and love and whatever it was, it was, a, it was one of the shirts that I happened to have. And the guy said, can I take a picture? I says, well, do you know what this means? Do you know what this means? I was able to explain to him his brother's name was Luke. I said, well, you didn't make it into the gospels, but we can still talk to you. See, physical diseases can be cured or not. But the disease of sin is incurable without Jesus Christ. You can get a doctor to help you through that sickness, but you need the great physician, okay, to get you to eternal life. You need the great physician to get you to eternal life. Folks, this story that we have here, this message that we have here from Jesus is to influence us, each one of us, None of us should be, fine, you'll get another job. Do you know how much more blessed you're going to be by not being with somebody like that? This world has influenced the church so, so much. There is a reluctance to preach about sin we see out there. With the reluctance to preach about sin, there is also reluctance to reopen churches. I see some of them are beginning to open up, and that's, that's good. There's a reluctance to proclaim the real truth of Jesus Christ. The salt loses its saltiness. And Jesus said, this is what's supposed to happen. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I'm going to believe that in the days to come, you're going to see some of these churches trampled underfoot by men. Compromise giving in to the society. In Matthew 5, 13, Jesus is speaking to all of us, not just the apostles, not just church leadership. This was a message to all who are on the mountainside. How do we know the first word there, you? Happens to be plural. It's not just you, one person. It's you, all of you. All of those who could hear him. You are to act like salt in this society. If you're listening, that's what you're supposed to do. You all have a place in God's kingdom. You all are to do the work of the king. You all are to influence those around you with the gospel. God has given us a gift. I did baptisms just the other night, and, and, and for these people that I've baptized, God gave them a gift, a gift to believe, a gift of salvation. And that was God Almighty who gave that to you. Do something with it. 
Now, you know what? I, let's look at another passage of Scripture so I can help to confirm this. John chapter 17. This is Jesus speaking here again. Jesus is now praying to his heavenly Father. Uh, how do we know that? Uh, 17.1, it says, lifting up his eyes to heaven. And he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may be glorified. Let's look down at verse 13, though. When he's speaking to us, disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, and he says this, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. And that's great. God, through Jesus Christ, is speaking here to us. I have given them your word, and the word has hated them, and the world has hated them. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. From the moment I got saved in my industry, people didn't like me anymore like they used to like me. I had to be winsome. I had to be as winning. I was nine, nine years out here, seven years as a Christian. And I had to tell them, the, I told them the message of Jesus Christ. I still got their business. Still got their business. And if I didn't, that's okay. God didn't want me to have it. God didn't want me to have it. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. You're protected. He can't hurt you. He cannot hurt you. Satan, Diabolos, whatever you want to call him. Cannot hurt you. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. See them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. That's you have been sent into the world. You're going to be salt to help preserve this society. Salt to make sure that the message of Jesus Christ gets through to others. For their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. How do you become salt in this society? Make sure you fill yourself up with the word of God. Make sure you know the word of God. Make sure that when that temptation comes, you know exactly what to do when that temptation comes because no temptation has overtaken you such as common the man and God is faithful and he will give you a way through this. He'll actually provide it. And I, I say to my counselees, were you provided with a way of escape this week when you looked at pornography four times? How were you pro provided with a way of escape? And I, I could come up with a hundred different ways that they were provided and they didn't want it. They didn't want it. That, to me, okay, is somebody who is on that precipice of maybe not even being a believer. It's scary. It's scary. The believer has a beneficial influence in this world, and we do, folks. Yet the world does not want it. The world does not desire it. We're going to talk next week about light because I'm not going to get to light today. Okay? So you have to come back. I called the message similarities and peculiarities. There's a reason because I was going to match the both of them up and show you how there's some similarities, but there are some peculiarities as well. The world does not want it. 
They don't want to hear from you. Give me an example. I went back from my high school graduation. Oh my, it's got to be, I don't know, 10 years ago that I went back for the high school graduation. I mean, a, a high school um, reunion, thank you. Yeah, I graduated from high school 10 years ago. Uh, and, and so I go back there and I figured, I said to my wife, I convinced her, you know what, I'm going back there just to bring the gospel. I want them to hear. I graduated from a, a high school last week. I heard a little bit about it with Matt's dad. I didn't even know he was in the class with me. But I went back for the reunion and I said, um, I want to speak to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I want to do. I, I want to give them this gospel. There was somebody there who was also a Christian, and the two of us are going to do that together. I get there, and uh, I said, yeah, I- I'm a pastor at-, at Grace Community Church. I don't know Grace Community Church. Uh, I'm a pastor. What's a pastor? Now, these are... These are um, 400 guys graduated my year of graduation. Roman Catholic school, okay. Uh, 397 went to uh, college and three went to Vietnam. That, that was the class, 19. Um, I can't tell you what year. I can't remember the year. Vietnam was a long war. <laughs> anyway, so I'm there to do that. As soon as they hear me start to speak the gospel. I see the moonwalk coming on. <laughs> and they're, they're, they don't want to listen to me. So they, they want to listen to somebody. They want to talk to somebody else. They do not want to hear the message. But you have to keep knocking on the door. You have to keep knocking on the door. Now, I haven't become obnoxious or anything. Uh, you, can tell my, you can ask my wife. I did not become obnoxious. But I wanted them to hear it. They need to hear it because they're dying. And I know where they're going when they die. Proclaim the truth. Proclaim the truth. That's what we need to be doing. As you sent me into the world, Jesus says, I also sent them into the world. And that's where we are to go, is into the world. In all aspects. One of the things I find when coming on staff here, I don't have that open opportunity to speak to unbelievers. Man, as my customers, I always could do that. Now that I'm in the office, I, I only get to speak to the unbelievers who come for counseling. And they do. Additionally, I, I need to remind you that our previous study about the Beatitudes, I think really sets the tone of of what we are to be, the character of who we really are. And you see in verse 6 there, it says, back to Matthew chapter 5, you see there in verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And so if our character is such that we're hungering and thirsting for the right things, then we're going to be that gospel billboard. This is what we are to be made of. This is the character of the believer. Therefore, the actions of the believer will be like a preservative of this society. Through their righteous living, exhibit Christ-likeness. We see that in verse 8 as well. We see, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The characteristic of the believer turns the believer into action. 
and the salt preventing added decay. And, and it is decaying. The believer is to be a purifying agent in this world. I, I, it's a high calling, folks. It's a high calling to be that kind of person. Let me give you one example, okay? Matter of fact, I'm going to use salt. Turn to Colossians chapter 4. Turn to Colossians chapter 4. I I love this passage. I use this in my communications. I did this yesterday, so that's why it reminded me. Uh, uh, Not yesterday, but Friday night. I taught the pre But listen to this. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. That's what your speech is supposed to be. A preservative. Something that tastes good as well. Something that brings out other people to speak with you and to listen to you. That's what your speech always needs to be like. If it's an irritant, if if you're getting in somebody's face, then you're not going to have a message to give to anybody. That's what we should be. Our speech should always be with grace. Seasoned with salt because then they want more. Give me more. Give me more. I, I, I challenge you. I challenge you to do that first in your home. I challenge you to not only do it in your home, neighborhood, to do it at your work. I, I use this verse when we do communications, as I said. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. The words you use are not the only thing, though. The tone of your voice also means something. I said this on Friday night. I said, if I, if I say to my wife, I'm sorry, it doesn't really mean much. But if I say, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm really, would you please forgive me for doing this? And, and I give her that explanation, it means something. Make it taste good. That's the way your speech should be. Make it taste as good as possible so that the person that you're communicating to wants more. That doesn't mean that you ignore the gospel. That doesn't mean that you ignore the gospel, folks. So the person wants to hear more. Information. Salt is about renewing the mind. Give those around you a reason to want to be around you. They should want to be there because you're interesting to be around. Let me remind you, let me remind us that Jesus said this, but if the salt has become useless, can it be made salty again? I believe this is an incredible warning, folks. And I believe this warning is to the church. And I mean the wide church. It's a profound warning to the churches that do not preach the gospel. It is an intense warning to the churches that don't preach about sin. It is a passionate warning to the churches that have lost their first love, you know, and reveled against you. Well, guess what? That's going to start happening. He's going to come in war against these churches. You see, those ministries that are counterproductive to the mission of the gospel are useless. When I was in seminary and before I came on the church staff. I, I love seminary so much, I took six years. Um, so I had some years on, 
in sales. And I would tell my customers the gospel. I, I did. I didn't hold it back. I, I needed to tell. Matter of fact, I was asked to come on staff a year before I did, but I said no because I hadn't told all my customers. I needed to get through to all my customers. These are friends, some of them. Nothing else, they're at least opportunities. It happened during that period of time that three different pastors fell morally. Every time I go in to see a customer, oh, is that what you want to become? They throw it in my face. They throw it in my face. Each time I'm, and I went, oh, no, no. Those men weren't even real, true Christians. Jimmy Swagger, Jim Baker, someone else I can't even remember. They were not te- truly teaching the gospel. This is the gospel. And so it gave me another opportunity to speak to them. Folks, the world is watching. The world is watching. And they love to throw our Christian culture back in our face. They love to point their fingers at us. You know, when our former vice president, Mike Pence, said uh, he hears from God every day. Do you remember when he made that statement? Certain television personalities clobbered him for saying that. He didn't answer right away. Gave it a few more days. And he says, yes, I hear from God every single day because I read the word of God. I read the Bible. He, he got to them as you're supposed to get to them. I read the Bible. Salt has lost its purity, is good for nothing. The Christian who has taken in the world, who's imbibed all the trash, is going to be like what Stephen said before, in the ash heap. In the ash heap. And they become tasteless, useless. The verb for tasteless, listen to this, in the Greek means foolish. They become foolish. Believers become foolish as they take in the world and they don't repel it. They they don't send it out. No, I do not do those things. I do not those things. I do not watch those things. But they let the garbage come in and it begins to pollute their system. They begin to look more like the world and not like blood-bought believers. They are going back to becoming slaves of sin rather than slaves of Jesus Christ. Again, the message is similarities and peculiarities. We didn't get to the similarities or the peculiarities, so you have to come back next week. So let me pray for you as you go out this week and you are acting as salt. Father God, thank you for your grace and for your message that you gave through your son, Jesus Christ. Each word is true. Each word is important for us. I am so glad that you said you in the plural, that it it includes all of us. It it is not just for certain people, but it's for all of those who call themselves believers. We need to act like it, to be like it. And so, Lord, give us grace this week in our speech. Give us opportunities in our speech to be able to speak to others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, they would love you and come to know you and want to bless you and glorify you for the rest of their lives. I pray for these people as we go to communion today that all of us would take a look at our own heart, that we would confess any known sin, and that we would look to you in repentance. We pray this in your name. Amen.